Welcome to the Covenant People's Ministry. It is written that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. We invite you to study the scriptures with us to learn about the words of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Our pastor is Mr. Jeremy Visser from Brooks, Georgia. You can contact us with your questions and comments at covenantpeoplesministry.com or simply write to Covenant People's Ministry, Post Office Box 256, Brooks, Georgia, 30205. Our phone number is 404-906-9009. We would like to hear from you, and we pray in the name of Jesus Christ that His will will continue to reign upon us all. Once again, welcome to the Covenant People's Ministry, and here's Pastor Visser with our next Bible study. Hello again, everybody. This is Pastor Visser from Covenant People's Ministry accessible on the internet at covenantpeoplesministry.org. Before beginning today's study, dear kinsfolk, I'd invite you to swing by that website and sign up for an account on our forums or join our mailing list if you haven't done so already. Today I would like to discuss straightforwardly the concept of demons, devils, and unclean spirits. Many out there within Christian identity will come along and they will say to you that there are no demons that there is no devil as well. They will say to you that Satan is merely your flesh and that we must overcome our flesh. But if you really examine the doctrine of the single seed liners, that is, those who deny dual seed line Christian identity, the teaching of Swift, Comparay, and Butler, and so forth, you will see that their teaching is actually designed to protect the lawless one, quote-unquote. That is Sataniel, that is Lucifer, that is, whatever name you wish to give him, Beelzebub, and so forth. And, dear kinsfolk, I might add at this point, if you haven't done so already, swing by our website and go to the book section. And there you can download my latest book, Sataniel. Sataniel, from start to finish, explains that there is an adversary, a literal tempter of Yahweh's chosen people. And even Judeo-Christianity has this concept down-packed in many areas. Although I might point out that a recent poll, according to the Barna Group, that is the group that seemingly loves keeping statistics on God's people, discovered that 90-some-odd percent of those who profess to be a Judeo-Christian also believe that there is no devil. Indeed, they like saying that there is no devil. The same people who say that the Jews are literally God's chosen people, but only spiritually the children of the devil. And the reason for that, of course, is because Jesus Christ taught to the Jews in John chapter 8, verse 44, you are of your father the devil. The lust of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and so forth. But we might note that from John's gospel, Jesus Christ doesn't make any qualms about it. He says you have a different father. He says they are from beneath. He says where I go, you cannot go, and so forth. But the way of Judeo-Christians is to come along and say, well, there's no devil. And the way of the single seed liners to say pretty much the same thing. And so without further ado, today I'd like to begin our study that is in Mark's Gospel, beginning in chapter 5, the very beginning. If you desire more study on Mark's Gospel, you can also swing by our website at covenantpeoplesministry.org. And in the audio section, you can download the entire Gospel of John, which is 40 parts, and the entire Gospel of Mark, which we covered in 2007 or 2008 which is also about 25 or so parts. But nonetheless, here in the beginning of Mark's Gospel, chapter 1, verse 1, it says this, They, that is Jesus Christ and his disciples, 
they came over to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gadarenes. And when he was come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. Man with an unclean spirit. Not a man who was vexed by his soul, not a man who had a palsy. But you will notice from all the Gospels, that is all four of them, every time there is an unclean spirit is differentiated from illness. It does not stop the single seed liners from coming along and saying, well, there's no demons. Demons are just your flesh. Demons are a sickness. So what was this particular maniac of Gadara sick from, I might ask? Of course, they cannot answer that. Because the Bible narratives and all of history is straightforwardly taught that the maniac of Gadara had an unclean spirit, which is the same thing as a demon, not a sickness. And indeed, many out there will skew this verse, turn it around. They are the same people that say Jesus Christ was not literally tempted of Satan in the wilderness directly after his baptism by John in the River Jordan. And what can be taught from that is that we also must be baptized first and foremost. Why? Because Jesus Christ did it, and he's our perfect example. But that usually, most oftentimes, after we acknowledge truth, after we are obedient, that is the time that Satan attempts to tempt us or to cast his stumbling blocks before us. We must not make that mistake. And we see that Jesus was about his father's business. He's always about his father's business, but so were the disciples. And so it was that they're traveling about the Sea of Galilee, and when they come to the other side, they find the maniac of Gadara. And when Jesus Christ comes out of the ship immediately, here comes this so-called maniac. Next verse. Who, referencing the maniac, who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no man could bind him. No, not with chains. He could not be bound with chains or fetters. He could not be restrained. He would be what you would see today in a mental asylum as one of those who needs to be in a straitjacket. He uh, had no control over his faculties. He was not under the spirit of God, that is the Holy Spirit. Rather, he was under the spirit of the ruler of this world, the prince of the air, the spirit of error, the spirit of anything but not God's spirit. And that was the reason why. He had his dwelling among the tombs because he was cast out of his town and dwelt among those who were dead. On a spiritual level, we could see that the maniac of Gadara, while under this condition, while possessed of the legion of demons, was dead himself. Spiritually, he had no chance whatsoever. Next verse. Because that he had been often bound with fetters and chains, and the chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broken in pieces. Neither could any man tame him. So it's obvious he was not in his right mind. He could not be tamed. Which means he could not have a God consciousness at this point. He could not sit down because he was not in his right mind. Indeed, those that come along and say there is no devil, there are no demons, are most oftentimes under the direct leadership of those demons. For no doubt the devil would love to convince the false prophet that he doesn't exist. Why? Well, the, the false prophet will go directly out and say there's no devil. Well, if there's no devil, there's no accountability, there's no sin, and so forth. Nonetheless, this particular man, the maniac, could not be bound. He was out of his mind. Verse 5. And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying and cutting himself with stones. Indeed, we see this in today's modern world, do we not? We see those who claim to be suicidal, who like to burn themselves with cigarettes or scratch themselves with knives. Moreover, on a simpler level, we see those who like to pierce just about every member of their body like to tattoo themselves, like to modify their body, and so forth. 
could this or could this not also be those who are under the direct leadership of the prince of this world? Those who may have a demon sitting there saying, hey, it's okay to go ahead and put a bone through your nose like we lived in Africa. For it's not the way of the white man. It's not the way of he who has a conscience. Day and night, he was in the mountains, he was in the tombs, he was a maniac. He was crying and he would cut himself. Next verse. But when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshipped him. Understand it. Under the leadership of demons, with demons influencing him, as soon as he sees Jesus Christ, that is the light of the world, that is the light of all men, this maniac of Gadara would run out, drop to his knees, and worship Jesus Christ. He dropped to his knees, and he worshipped the Son of God. What does that say for a majority of our world today, those people out there who say there is no God? Scripture straightforwardly teaches us that the fool has said in his heart there is no God, meaning that the biblical definition of those who are foolish are those who say there's no God. They're the ones who are easily led astray. They're the ones who are led captive. Captive by whatever it is. Moral dogmas, for example. Society, political correctness. Those who will come along and say, you know what, you got to do what the rest of the world does. Maniac Dara was seen as an outcast. And indeed, while he was under the dictatorship of an unclean spirit, singular, he was not fit for the purpose of God. Outside of perhaps being a bad example, but even this bad example, when seeing Christ, he dropped to his knees and worship him. And what else does he say next verse? And cried with a loud voice and said, What have I, singular, to do with thee, singular, Jesus, thou son of the most high God? I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. Two times the maniac of Gadara references himself in a singular manner. He says, What have I to do with you, Jesus Christ, even though he was worshiping him? And says, I adjure thee by God, thou torments me, singular, not. Next verse. For he, that is Jesus Christ, said unto him, Come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. Understand, Jesus Christ straightforwardly spoke it. And all principalities, all spirits, all demons, whatever they be, whether good or bad, are under the direct leadership of Yahshua Messiah. We covered this many weeks ago when I pointed out that by Him, Jesus Christ, were all things created that are in heaven and in earth, whether they be thrones, principalities, and dominions, and so forth. All of these things were created by Jesus Christ for His purpose and for His plan. And here we can see such a plan coming into action. Indeed, we see here transcribed, at least for the last 2,000 years, about this maniac, this maniac who was possessed of demons. And Jesus Christ simply goes up to him and says, Come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. Next verse. And he, Jesus Christ, asked him, What is thy name? And he, the maniac, answered, saying, My name is Legion, for we, plural, are many. We are many. Understand, body of Christ, many members. It's the same exact thing in the demonic realm. Indeed, many demons, many unclean spirits can comprise one body. And one body meaning a legion, which is a legion, thousands upon thousands. We are many. But the maniac of Gadara at the time, when he was talking to Jesus Christ, said, What have I to do with you? Leave me alone. Meaning that even though the maniac of Gadara was possessed by countless numbers of demons, he himself thought that he was who he was. He himself spoke for himself in a singular fashion. What do I have to do with you? Meaning the demons were influencing the maniac of Gadara to say, I have, what do you want with me, you son of the Most High God? But 
Once Jesus Christ says, demon, come out from this maniac of Gadara, he asks him, what's your name? And the demon answers, saying, my name is Legion, for we are many. Verse 10. And he, that is Legion, besought him, Jesus Christ, much, that he would not send them away out of the country. Singular, discussing plural. He, Legion, the leader, if you will, or at least the entire body of demons, asked Jesus Christ not to suffer them, plural, to go out from that country of the Gadarenes. And there was a reason for that. And these passages, I might add, are extremely important for the Christian identist to understand so many different things. That is, in reference to demons and so forth. I want to point out that there is a difference. That sickness does not speak. Sickness cannot say to Jesus Christ, its creator, I am legion for we are many. Sicknesses do not speak. Here we see the maniac of Gadara speaking for himself. And we see the legion speaking for themselves. But together they were one, were they not? Indeed, the maniac was the flesh man. And the legion was the spirit. So, the maniac of Gadara was under the influence of a legion. And that legion was many. Even so, that legion, those evil spirits, were bound under Jesus' feet. As they are bound under your feet through Jesus' blood and through his atonable sacrifice. Understand that Jesus Christ gave us power over the devil, over wicked spirits. We can bind them, we can do many things, but we cannot destroy them. Jesus Christ, in that same example, does what he does here. Next verse. Now, there is nigh unto the mountains a great herd of swine feeding. And all the devils, plural, many devils, besought him, saying, Send us into the swine, that we may enter them. First and foremost, the demons wanted to enter the swine because the swine, biblically, under the mouse, is the most abominable animal created of Yahweh God. Indeed, the mouse is the most abominable, followed by the swine. The swine, dear kinsfolk, does not have sweat glands. The swine is not fit for human consumption. And if anything on a superficial level, be brought out by covering Mark chapter 5 today, at least grasp that concept. Grasp the fact that Jesus Christ will cast these demons, a legion, meaning thousands of them, into the swine. Because swine were the only vessels unclean enough to hold them. Or were they? Let's read on. And forthwith, Jesus gave them leave. And the unclean spirits went out and entered into the swine. And the herd ran violently down a steep place, into the sea. They were about 2,000 and were choked in the sea. So they were about 2,000, meaning that the legion was about 2,000. Perhaps there were a few little casualties on the side for those that were caught up like lemmings. But nonetheless, these swine, when possessed with the spirit of a demon, would freak out and would run down the side of a hill and kill themselves rather than be influenced by a demon. Oh, indeed, we live in a world now where many are boasting they're under the influence of a demon, and isn't it quite ironic that people like Richard Ramirez, and I do use the term people very loosely, creatures like the Night Stalker, who were killing people in Los Angeles when they come to trial, have a pentagram carved on their hand, or a pentagram on their head, and they say, you know what, I was possessed by a devil when I went out and murdered. I got a sense of pleasure. In my thrill kill, 
And the liberal DA or the judge himself will come along and say, oh, no, of course you're not under the influence of a demon. We're not going to hear that. You uh, were raised up in the ghetto. You never had a proper opportunity. You weren't a member of the Boy Scouts or the YMCA. Whatever it is to justify away the spiritual realm. The reality is, is Richard Ramirez was telling the truth. The reality is, is those out there that are bound under us, because Jesus Christ made them as such, oftentimes straightforwardly tell us the truth. It's the way of unbelieving man to come along and say, hey, no, you're not under the influence of the devil. Why? Because they don't believe in God. So be very, very careful who you listen to. 2,000 swine ran down a hill and were choked. I might point out before we continue on that the townsfolk thereabout didn't care. They were rather upset at the fact that Jesus Christ killed their pigs because that was their source of revenue. Indeed, they did not care to flips for the maniac. The maniac of Gadara, who would later in this same gospel become a witness for Jesus Christ and would, through his acts, eventually help convert many for Jesus Christ. They didn't care. The townsfolk cared more about their pig than they did for this man. And isn't that the way of man today, dear kinsfolk? For indeed, you will see farmers and dog breeders who care more about the bloodlines of their pets than they do their own daughters. They'll go to church and they'll be taught that it's okay for your daughters and your sons to bed down with non-whites and at the same time would never consider mixing a thoroughbred with a workhorse because that's where we are today. It says in the end times, the love of many waxes cold. And the love of many is the love that man should have for their brother. God is love. And so man should always be telling their brother that God is true. And exercising the law of God as an ultimate form of showing that they do love. So Jesus gives them leave. The unclean spirits go out. They enter into the swine very easily, I might add. And the herd runs violently and kills themselves. Next verse. And they that fed the swine fled, and told it in the city and in the country. And they went out to see what it was that was done. And we know what was done. Jesus Christ cast a legion of demons into the pigs, and the pigs would rather die than be under the influence of Beelzebub. But nonetheless, we should see also that just like in John's Gospel, when Jesus Christ raised Lazarus from the dead, there were stitches. There were those that would run directly out to the townsfolk and say, hey, guess what Jesus Christ just did? He did a miracle. He did a great thing. He cured the maniac of Gadara. Oh, no not what he said. He'd run in and he would say, Jesus Christ just killed all your pigs. Now we don't have any revenue. What must be done? And so, naturally, like the rumor mill that it was, it went round about the country of the Gadarenes and everyone came out to see what was done. You and I know, dear kinsfolk, that what was done was a good thing. Jesus Christ cast the demons out of this man, healed this man, and made him whole. Jesus Christ gave us the power to do all things that he had done, at least on a spiritual level. Meaning that we also, through teaching, through witnessing, through prophesying, and through just familiarizing ourselves with the word of God, can oftentimes keep us free of demons or keep the demons at bay. We know straightforwardly that we have the power to bind these demons. We know that we should be praying for protection from them. Sealing the windows, if you will, and doors in the blood of Jesus Christ and the oil of our people even, in extreme cases. We have the power to bring down angels, and a demon is nothing more than a fallen, unclean angel. We study that for ourselves in the book of Enoch. And if you desire a little bit more study on Enoch, I would invite you to swing by our website, which is covenantpeoplesministry.org, and download the sermon, Enoch's Walk of Faith. 
which I delivered about two years ago. In this particular sermon, I point out that Enoch was straightforwardly taken by Yahweh way back in the book of Genesis for the purpose of receiving visions, visions, prophecy concerning the latter era. And so notwithstanding, it's quite interesting how in this latter era, mankind doesn't even read the Bible as it is. But if they do read the Bible, they read an incomplete Bible. And so a majority of Judeo-Christians will read the New Testament if they read anything at all. They would never consider reading the Old Testament, and they most certainly do not read the Book of Jubilees or the Book of Enoch and so forth. That is for the glory of God. We must understand that. That's so that you will understand, so that you can read Enoch, so that you can have tomorrow's newspaper today and not rely on the false prophets like the rest of the world does. The rest of the world sitting saying, hey, nothing's going to happen. And if they believed anything was going to happen in their lifetime, they would believe that they would be raptured away. In a way, this is telling. In a way, these demons are bound under us. Because in essence, all they're telling you is that they're wicked. The only rapture that takes place in Scripture is the rapture of the wicked. Jesus Christ straightforwardly taught this in his parables of the tares and the wheat. Meaning that the wicked and the rudiments are taken first and they are burned. They're burned by Yahweh God with the brightness of his coming. Thank you for listening to the Covenant People's Ministry. If you have enjoyed hearing the message of the Gospel and would like to be a part of our fellowship or receive monthly newsletters where you can order Pastor Visser's CD sermons, be sure to write to us at CPM, Post Office Box 256, Brooks, Georgia 30205. You can also visit us on the web at covenantpeoplesministry.com where our extensive audio section features numerous broadcasts you can easily listen to Pastor Visser by Godcast through your mobile audio device. Our phone number is 404-906-9009. Remember that Jesus Christ is our all and is in all that have been renewed in His Holy Spirit. So we hope that you will allow Him to lead your life and help to build His church so that when He returns, you will find faith upon this earth. We urge you to be a living example of Christian faith and apply His words to your lives. It's been a pleasure to have you with us, and now we will return to Pastor Visser's Bible study message. So back in Mark, they that fed the swine ran out. They told it in the city, they told it in the country, and everyone comes out to see what was done. Verse 15. And they come to Jesus and see him that was possessed with the devil. Notice, devil. Not necessarily even an unclean spirit in this reference. What this means is that an unclean spirit is a devil, and a devil is a demon. You look this word up. In the Greek, you will see that's what it's saying. It's not saying his flesh. It doesn't say that the maniac was sick with a palsy. It says that he once was possessed with the devil. Continuing on. And had the legion sitting and clothed in his right mind. And they were afraid. The townsfolk came out. They saw him who was possessed with the devil. Notice they never mention his name. They just tell you he was a maniac. Because his name's not really important. Those that seek after name recognition are most oftentimes the one you need to worry about. But again, as I pointed out earlier, this maniac went out and he made it possible for future converts at a later point in Jesus Christ's own ministry. When he returns back through this land of the Gadarenes, this same man sitting down here, whom the townsfolk were afraid of, went on to become one of the greatest witnesses. Why? Because he was possessed with the devil. He once was sick and now he's healthy. And what better testimony is there than that, dear kinsfolk? Those round about the country of the Gadarenes knew of him. He was infamous. 
He would cut himself. He would live in the tombs. He would go crazy. So much so that they couldn't bind him. He would break the chains. But Jesus Christ could make him whole. And Jesus Christ made him whole with a word. By merely speaking it. And it came to be. He said, demons come out. And boom. Instantly. He was in his right mind. Him that was possessed with the devil and had the legion was sitting and clothed and in his right mind. Next verse. And they that saw it told them how it befell to him that was possessed with the devil and also concerning the swine. And they began to pray him to depart out of their coast. Get it? Understand it? They weren't praising Jesus Christ. They weren't happy that one of their own kin was made spiritually, mentally whole again. Oh no, indeed. They cared more about their pigs than even the truth which was Jesus Christ. Again, Jesus Christ said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. They cared more about their pig. And what did they do? They prayed. They begged. They asked him, please, man, you've got to get out of here. You've caused so much damage to us. What faithlessness is this? It's absolute faithlessness. But it's not far removed from the world in which we live in today. As I pointed out, man simply does not care about race or pedigree anymore. When race or pedigree should be one of the most important aspects that defines a nation or defines a community. Indeed, we see the sentiment, especially since Barack Obama became president of the United States of America, do we not? We see Negroes nice and uppity here in the South telling us that we need to go back to Europe. But the irony is, is unlike Haiti and unlike Jamaica and unlike many places like that, we have no all-white nations left in Europe to go to. Rather, they're inundated with Muslims. They're inundated with a nigger or a Mexican of some type or another. But there is no pure white country to go to. This is a promise of Yahweh God, is it not? This was a promise of Him. If we allowed their usury, we would become the tail, they would become the head. Well, now, dear kinsfolk, how does it feel to be the tail in a country designed by the white Anglo-Saxon Protestant for the white Anglo-Saxon Protestant? How does it feel to be a second-class citizen? How does it feel? To crouch in fear, afraid to preach against homosexuality because we've got a president who straightforwardly passes the Matthew Shepard Hate Crime Act, making it illegal for Christians to preach what even the New Testament covered. And we covered that last weekend, of course, in a reprobate mind, where we discussed straightforwardly that it is Yahweh God who gives them a reprobate mind so that they would be examples. Examples of what happens when you get a temporal reward. Nothing but vanity, rather. They get infected with AIDS and those roundabout will sit and say, I'm not going to engage in that. That's a plague from God. But that's not the way the liberal media does it, does it? Rather, the liberal media wants to bleed us away into a dull gray like they did in the mid-80s. Oh, indeed, they come along and say, well, AIDS doesn't show any preferential treatment. AIDS doesn't show any racial favoritism. AIDS doesn't necessarily affect fags. Now that we're in the year 2010, isn't it ironic that AIDS is only killing black faggots for the most part? and a few whites in there and so forth, but you cannot get AIDS from being godly, from being righteous, from trying to follow the word of God. You're not going to have to worry about that. That's the reason why Yahweh God suffers many people to be an example or will even send a lying spirit into the mouths of the false prophets to separate the wheat from the chaff, to see who you will serve. Will you be drawn aside by your own heart or will you follow Yahweh God? You're going to be one of these people that come along and say, there's no devil because you're influenced by the devil. Or are you going to study the word of God and sit there and best adapt your life to its teachings? 
You don't have to be a rocket scientist. You don't have to know Hebrew and Greek to use a Strong's Concordance to look up the words devils and demons and see exactly what they mean and mark the false prophets who say Satan is your flesh. But nonetheless, those from the country of the Gadarenes asked Jesus Christ to leave. Next verse. And when he, Jesus Christ, was come into the ship, he that had been possessed with the devil prayed him that he might be with him. Howbeit, Jesus suffered him not, but saith unto him, Go home to thy friends, and tell them how great things the Lord has done for thee, and hath had compassion on thee. Compassion. Understand, Jesus Christ was a compassionate man. Jesus Christ, unlike a majority of you and I, down here, us white Saxons, was able to show compassion the way he should. He had compassion on the maniac when his own townsfolk did not. His own family did not. Indeed, Jesus Christ would say family would forsake you, but Yahweh God never will. And Yahweh God never would. And that is the reason why. Here we see a sign, again, that Jesus Christ was Yahweh in the flesh form. He was Emmanuel, God with us. But when he was about to leave, when everyone from Gadara came along and said, you know what, we don't want you here. You're causing a lot of conflict, you know. Jesus Christ left. He gave them the desires of their heart. But the man, the maniac, the man who was now in his right mind, came and asked Jesus Christ if he could go with him. And what does Jesus Christ say? He doesn't give him the desires of his heart. He tells him straightforwardly, oh no, go back, witness Tell everyone that you once knew, or who knows you, the great things Yahweh God has done for you. The Lord, he says, referencing his own work. Jesus Christ cast the demons out by merely speaking it, and gave all praise to Yahweh God. There, once again, we see that he was in the right spirit, and had had compassion. Verse 20, And he, the former maniac, departed, and began to publish in Decapolis how great things Jesus had done for him. And all did marvel. Men is italicized right there. But it straightforwardly says all marvel. Every man, woman, and child that were there marveled at the great thing that Jesus Christ had done. It was Jesus Christ who gave the maniac of Gadara a clean mind. And we, of course, will discover later on that this same maniac in this country of the Gadarenes, again, I might emphasize, through doing exactly what Jesus Christ told him, which is go back and witness and tell everybody that you've been made whole, was able to convert many other people. People believed because they saw. Seeing is easy, dear kinsfolk, and we must understand that it's easy to believe in the things that are seen, quote-unquote. But it's hard to believe in those things that are unseen. Many things out there are perhaps unseen to the natural man, the flesh man. The man who is not able to tell the difference between God and man. Indeed, many men have faith within other men, within doctors, within life coaches, within social workers, within Buddha even. Oh, they'll have faith within anything but the Word of God. And it is only the Word of God, that is Jesus Christ, the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning, the end, who can give and create life. It's a very simple concept. And so there are those within Christian identity who love pushing forward this damnable hypothesis that the devil's just your flesh. Understand that if it is Jesus Christ who gives us power over the devil, those who walk around saying the devil's your flesh simply are not doing what Paul says for them to do. That is, to bring their flesh, their thoughts, their tongues, their minds captive and to dominate the flesh. 
That is the difference between the spirit man and the flesh man. The flesh man usually is drawn around by his flesh, the lust of his hearts, the lust of his eyes, or whatever it be. The spirit man is led around by the spirit of God and works Yahweh's purpose here on earth. That is the reason why Jesus Christ straightforwardly teaches us to pray, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Kingdom come, first and foremost, it's a kingdom age being established here on earth as it is in heaven. This is to be the desire of every Christian, not to live in fear of the devil or demons or so forth. Rather, we should be exercising dominion over them. Understand what dominion means. Dominion is an area of control. For example, the kingdom of God has God as king. And the dominion are, of course, the people and the bounds of that habitation. So we should be exercising dominion over our private bubble, over our place at work, over our homes, and most definitely over our families and our race. We should be praying not only for personal but national repentance for allowing such ilk, demonic people, whom Yahweh God himself in Jesus Christ's form told us and taught us and taught all of Christendom that they are of their father, the devil. And the lust of their father, they will do. What are the lusts of the children of the devil's father? Murder and lying. Understand that. In fact, I'll reread that in the Amplified King James. It says this, Jesus Christ speaking to the Jew. You are of your father, the devil. And it is your will to practice the lusts and gratify the desires which are characteristic of your father. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a falsehood, he speaks what is natural for him. For he is a liar himself and the father of lies and all that is false. So we see two characteristics of the devil. One is murder. One is lying. Moreover, Jesus Christ straightforwardly teaches us that to the devil, the lie is the truth and the truth is a lie. And as we covered in my last sermon, which is the reprobate mind, we should understand that God gives certain people a reprobate mind because they leave the natural use of each other. They leave all that is natural, if you will, and embrace perversions. And we see that it is no different here. And so that's partially the reason why. We must not embrace falsehoods and we must not engage in the act of fognance, which is premeditated murder. Murder is a characteristic of the devil. War is a form of murder. Fighting for dominion, land, and causing children, mostly Christians, to go to their grave for the sake of the Christ killer. is not love. That's a characteristic of the devil, who is a liar and a murderer. We live in a world that embraces fiction over truth. We live in a world where the majority would rather read comic books or go to the motion picture theaters than go to church and hear the truth taught. It has not always been this way. But indeed, the media is a powerful weapon. And the media has drawn many aside. A majority of the world out there can believe that commercialism will sell Levi's, for example, but never once will it dawn on them, perhaps, that commercialism or the media can pervert the image of the ever-living God. And it most certainly does. Dear kinsfolk, since 1948, since the invention of Judeo-Christianity, since it was dreamed up by the devil's children themselves, look how many people are falling aside. Look how many people will sit and say, you don't have to follow the law. The law is done away with. Were they saying that 60 years ago, dear kinsfolk? No, indeed. 
Have they said that for 2,000 years? No, indeed. If their faulty premise was true, Christianity wouldn't have survived past 70 A.D., I might add, dear kinsfolk. For they follow a liberal interpretation of Jesus Christ, a homosexual Jesus Christ, if you will, an infeminized version of their own heart. Indeed, they've created an idol, just like Romans chapter 1 teaches. They've turned around and worshipped self, or the creature, more than the creator himself. And all the while, they are willfully ignorant of that which is hidden in plain sight, if you will, quote-unquote, for nothing's hidden. The things of the world, including the Godhead, are clearly understood by those things that are created by God, are they not? But those out there today don't mind saying there is no God. And be that as it may, with the very few amount of people that are even Judeo-Christian, Christian identity doesn't stand a fighting chance. That is, in the world. It'll never be socially acceptable because Jesus Christ was never socially acceptable. It will never be accepted because truth, that is Jesus Christ even, was never accepted. Indeed, the Bible teaches us that man oftentimes desires the lie, that man would rather dwell in darkness than comprehend the light. Most oftentimes that is because with much wisdom is much sorrow, much responsibility that comes with knowing truth. Truth is not something you can backslide from like Judeo-Christianity. Indeed, many people will grasp Judeo-Christianity, which is the devil's religion. And suddenly, after being promised that uh, once they accept Jesus Christ into their heart, they're going to never have any worldly problems. They're going to be rich. They're going to be blessed. And Jesus Christ is going to come and have coffee and bagels with them every morning. And it doesn't happen. They backslide because they embraced a lie in the first place. We must understand our own personal responsibility in a majority of this. It's up to us to contrast the words of every man with Jesus Christ in the Word of God. Many of us do not do that. Why? Because it's convenient. They can be weekend Christians and they can engage in debauchery six days out of the week. And come Sunday morning, they're big enough to put on their Sunday's best clothing and go down to the church and open their heart to Jesus Christ. All the while engaging in slander, talking about what ugly Betty has on, talking about what great grandma's wearing, or who's singing the loudest in the choir. It's not about a personal relationship for them. It's about an outward sign. It's what Jesus Christ warned us against from the Pharisees. And I might add that Phariseeism became Judaism. And what we see today in Judeo-Christianity is Judaism. In a nutshell, it's hypocrisy. It's those who claim to know Jesus Christ and wouldn't even be fit to stand in his presence. Because they are the ones who would come to Jesus Christ in judgment and say, Did we not do great things? Did we not open our heart to you? Did we not cast out demons in your name? And Jesus Christ is going to say, according to these gospels, what? Depart from me. I never knew you. You who practice lawlessness and iniquity. All sin is a transgression of the law, meaning that iniquity is transgression. We must follow the law. We must do what Jesus Christ said. Not what our hearts tell us to do, not what man tells us we should be like, and not political correctness. We should only do those things that please Yahweh God. We should never be man-pleasers, for that is the mistake that many within Christian identity make, is they suddenly turn aside and they start teaching tradition. They start embracing non-scriptural tripe, there's nothing wrong with study. We're to reason together in the scriptures. We're to come together and decide what is dogma, if you will, or at least concrete doctrine, so that we will not be misled. But unfortunately, we have a detractor. Detractors who want to come along and profess to know the word better than you. 
They'll tell you that you don't know what it is you're saying. They'll tell you that you've been brainwashed as if having a filthy mind washed in the blood of Jesus Christ is a bad thing. Oh, dear kinsfolk, it's not brainwashing. You shall know the truth. John 17, 17. Thy word is truth. If you know the truth, the truth will set you free. But these sinners, those down here, these fools that love to deny the existence of Yahweh God, they're the slaves. They're the brainwashed. They're the ones who don't think for themselves. And ironically, every single one of them thinks they're unique in their own right. They think they're different. They think they stand out when in reality they're carbon cut and rubber stamped by the enemy. Today's wiggers are no more unique than the grunge freaks of the 90s who stopped bathing and the hippies of the late 60s. They're not unique, but they think they are. They think they're the first ones to figure out there is no God. Well, people have been trying to figure out there is no God forever, and every single one of them is wrong. You figure a wise man would come along and say, well, you know what? Just because a majority of people out there have said the end is near, and they've been wrong, doesn't mean I'm going to turn aside from truth because of their mistakes, but that's exactly what it is. They'll come along and tell you, well, they've been trying to predict the end of the world for 2,000 years. Because they're so stupid, they allow the mistakes of other peoples to influence them today. Well, there must not be no God then, huh? Doesn't work that way, dear kinsfolk. And so if you desire more study on angels and demons, swing by our website at covenantpeoplesministry.org. And also, if you have any specific questions about Christian identity doctrine or what we've discussed in today's study, Swing by our forums on the World Wide Web and ask your questions there. I guarantee you will get your answer. And it's quite ironic, dear kinsfolk, many of you who are listening by iTunes and so forth, you should swing by the website if you haven't in a while. Because many people have come by our forums and said, Oh, I'm going to disprove you, Pastor Visser. What you're teaching is racism. What you're teaching is wrong. And they'll make one post, maybe two, and then they'll run off. We must understand, just like George Orwell says, in a time of universal deceit, Telling the truth is a revolutionary act. Indeed, many will want to silence those who tell the truth as they have since the dawn of time. But it will never stop the truth from going forward. And so with that being established, this is Pastor Visser wishing you and yours great studies. War for Christ. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message. We hope that you have enjoyed studying with us. Remember the words that Christ has given, that wherever two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of them. We hope that you will gather together with us at the online ministry's website, which is covenantpeoplesministry.com, and share your Christian testimonies or ask questions and enjoy biblical fellowship. You can also order CDs of Pastor Visser's Bible Studies and enjoy many other Christian resources through the church's website or write to Covenant People's Ministry, Post Office Box, 256 Brooks, Georgia 30205 Our phone number is 404-906-9009 Thanks again and may the love of Christ abide in you and yours forever and ever. Amen.